Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jules Gill, why am I starting to get more ill and you're freezing cold? Is it because Stray just won the best indie game at the Game Awards? Oh, why, mate? Is it why because Multiverse has just beat Sifu? I, listen, what we, what I, is okay, this? okay, so this is the thing. This is the thing. People don't know Hatred. this at home, but my boiler is broken, right? So I'm literally sitting here <laughs> freezing my nards off. I've got a Garfield hot water bottle on my lap keeping me <laughs> just barely alive. And now, all of a sudden, I am too hot. You've made me run hot <laughs> by reminding me that Stray, a game that won best indie game, and when you look at the description, right? Ugh. You look at the description of yep. what it takes to to win that category. Technical advancement, <laughs> creativity. I don't think that has a, has, cat, a cat has a cat yeah. is not as good as Sifu. <laughs> Sifu is, I'm just going to say it, Sifu is the best martial arts game that I've ever played. It is I would hands that, down yeah. the best martial arts. And it was robbed, robbed yeah. by a stupid cat game. Just it's because the internet in the likes, indie... it likes cats. That's the thing. It's robbed in the indie categories of indie and best debut indie. And it's also robbed in the fighting indie category, which it didn't even belong in. But if it's going to be in there, it's clearly the best fighting game if that's what that we're talking about. absolutely <laughs> burned my cabbage. <laughs> Is, mate. I cannot believe that it lost to Multiverse. Like that, uh, that. It's a fine game, but like, oh my god, it's not Sifu. Like, what are you talking about? I don't about? understand it. I just don't get it. Like, don't get me wrong. It's, like you say, it's a really well-made game. It's mm. just not the best well-made no. fighting game. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming out of the game. And this isn't the Entitled Banter Ragecast. <laughs> this is the Entitled Banter Podcast. Uh, the UBP, the UBP, <laughs> the UBP, where we take all your latest talking points and questions and everything across Twitter and Instagram. We'll get through as many as we can, but I just wanted to open on the Game Awards. Sure thing, of course. Because of they course. mostly got everything right. Um, you know, Elden Ring taking away Game of the Year, which is a really cool pick. Um, giving the likes of uh, Best Performance to Chris Judge. Probably would have given that to like Man Engage for Immortality or yeah. something, but still, the, it's cool. The, th- the thing is, I-, I would have obviously given it to Ashley Birch just because of the fact that uh, I am in love with her. Your bae. Uh, sorry, Kerry. The thing is, <laughs> is that I genuinely believe that going forward, we should put a cap on how many awards a game can win. I, I genuinely mm. think that it's like, when you look over the list of winners, it was just God of War, Ragnarok, Elden Ring, yeah, God of War, yeah. Ragnarok, Elden Ring. And it's like, I get it that those games are the talking points of the year, but maybe mm-hmm. we should, or at least the... Um, people in charge of uh, the nominations and who actually mm. wins, they should have said, right, okay, they can have a cap of three apiece. They can't, I can't have any more That's, than that. Be Every other person's yeah. got to get a chance at winning because there are so many games that were bypassed. And I'm not mm. saying that they were potentially better 
but I do feel like they just are never going to get a chance to shine again. That was their mm-hmm. one shot, and they've just been dominated by having mm-hmm. these other landmark games arrive in the same year. And it doesn't I feel, feel like, like it feels like they're going to fall away into the mm-hmm. sands of time, and we're going to be making lists about them in about five years' time of the <laughs> underappreciated, the forgotten. When well, you can already feel that success now. What we're doing is we're actually killing future IPs like this. Because oh, you can, like, the thing is that you can tell, you can feel that we're already looking at when and when Elden Ring landed, and obviously when God even before God of War came out, you knew it was going to dominate everything. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And then that is the way that it's rolled out. And it's not that it doesn't deserve best narrative, best direction, best yeah, soundtrack, I, I, whatever. Yeah. It's hard to but, disagree with the fact that it won, but it's just, yeah. it should have given the spotlight to somebody else, maybe, because mm-hmm. now we're going to look at those, fut- those um, the futures of those sequels, uh, sorry, the franchises. They might mm-hmm. not get sequels because of this, because people just go, well, all we're talking about is God of War and Ragnarok. Maybe, so therefore, that yeah. game wasn't as good by association. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting in terms of, because um, I, yeah, that's the thing. I, I find when I was looking at the awards, because it was on for us in the UK, it was like one in the morning mm-hmm. until half past three in the morning. Um, so I was in bed. But did you, like, did, um, I was about to say, you didn't stay I up. I was going to stay up for it, but I was out last night and then I was like, I need sleep more than I need See, to stay up until. I, I thought to myself that you probably were asleep, but then all of a sudden, like the Death Stranding <laughs> 2 trailer dropped and you probably sat up in your bed, like, like, like right. sweaty, just going like, hideo, no, no. <laughs> Sam Porter Bridges. I, I need to know. But um, yeah, I feel like overall, it's like, like I said, you can't really deny anone who's won apart from personally for me or the multiverses thing mm-hmm. um, but at the same time like you said I would like a better variety of titles to be up there like it's not the the thing is like, like I said I can't deny that God of War has an incredible score yep. but if something like Metal Hellsinger had taken it that would have been phenomenal yep. um, something like that I, I think it's an interesting conversation that idea of limiting how many they can win is also an interesting thing it's like each critic has like three tokens to put down kind of thing and yep. it's like okay you've put down your tokens yep. so that's kind of it um, and would that have the reverse effect of feeling like something was robbed because it needed to win all four categories yeah, but I yeah. think I don't know like predetermined winners just feels a bit off like we knew God of War and Elden Ring was going to sweep but maybe not this much yeah. um, but still um, but yeah we'll get through as many questions as we can um, one, one, one question from Willie Araya who says our thoughts on Xbox not raising their prices for their games this generation only to not release any aside from Halo in the first two years and just when they're about to they finally raise their prices anyway yeah. um, I view this whole £70 thing on Xbox's side as just pushing you towards Game Pass yeah. I feel like that's the because you get around it by just um, you know subscribing to the monthly fee instead. It's like they're pricing themselves out of a market that they're not actually interested in anymore. They're just, exactly. They just go like, yeah. cool, we have a better product available at a cheaper price. So by mm-hmm. comparison, it, it looks even better value now. It's a super <laughs> smart, shrewd and greasy practice. But That's I, actually hilarious I've that got, they I've sort of look... them for it, you know? Yeah. Like, they almost look directly into how much the general reaction was to when Sony did it and the reaction to when Xbox did it. And then they themselves are going like, don't worry, I know we're the villain right now, but we're also the hero because yeah. you can go over here and yeah. get this instead. That's actually like kind of hilarious that they're sort of just, I mean, I, like I said, I always thought it was towards Game Pass. But like you said, it's like they're pricing themselves out of the competition by embracing that same <laughs> economic model. It reminds me, um, did, did you ever watch uh, 30 Rock? No, I know what it is. So there's a scene in it where Tina Fey's character um, is talking to... I can't remember the name of... Um, oh, it's, the, it's her boss's name. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, and it's played by Alec Baldwin. And mm. what he says is, have you ever wondered why those discount uh, Dorito chips that you eat come with a sachet of uh, anti-diarrhea medication? <laughs> and she's like, well, it's because the um, uh, the... Doritos give you diarrhea. And she's mm. like, think about it. And she's like, oh, they make you give you the diarrhea on purpose so that you'll buy more of the medicine. And he just goes, <laughs> he puts his hand together and goes, synergy. And it's yeah, like, just mess that, the fingers. It's exactly like that with the Game Pass. It's just like, you've got the mm. diarrhea that you've just said by raising the prices of your games. And then you've got the anti-diarrhea medication, <laughs> which is the Game Pass. 
The thing is, on the Xbox side as well, like, I mean, it's not to, like, poop all over Xbox stuff, but they don't have 70-pound, like, you know, they don't have top-tier titles. If the comparison point is the highest-brow third-person stuff, or the highest-made um, third-person stuff, and the Sony model that's been established, like the Ghost of Sushimas or the Last of Us 2s, or whatever it is, the top-tier stuff, Xbox hasn't had a single one of them in... I don't even know how long, like yeah. over 10 years, like, I guess gears, but like still, it's very few and far between. And when they chose to basically say that uh, Halo Infinite was going to be a day one game pass thing, they shot the potential of value in, mm. in its foot with that because it's like, why would you ever pay £70 yeah. when it's on Game Pass and not finished? Imagine paying £70. That's the thing. Imagine paying £70 for Halo Infinite. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, that game doesn't play extremely well, but, but that's it. crazy. The rest it's of it's not crazy, there. isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, I, like I said though. I think their overall thing is just pushing you to Game Pass, and I love yeah. them embracing, um, like almost using the hate towards that price model to also be like, but we also have this, and uh, and then hopefully that works out for them. But yes, next question, Mister Jules. Okay, so we'll go over to Instagram now, and we're going to go to yes. uh, Suggy Roo, who says, <laughs> "Hello, legends! Anime series that need a fighting game like Dragon Ball Fighters or Fighter Z." Oh well. Oh, probably One Punch Man. I know there's a One Punch Man game. It is anyway, a One Punch Man game. But yeah. it's not rendered like as well as uh, Fighter Z. It's not like taking advantage of how over the top a lot of those fights can be. It's quite a basic fighting game. Yeah. The, the only element of that game that I did <gasps> like is the fact that when you choose to have Saitama in your party, there's a countdown yes. timer in the top left-hand corner and you have to wait until uh, that timer comes down before he bothers to show up to the fight. <laughs> and he's undefeatable <laughs> when he's there, which is just amazing. Because... Do you know what I've just realised, yeah. sorry, is that One Punch Man slash Saitama, Orange Cassidy from AEW just is One Punch oh, 100%. Man. 100%. He even yeah, yeah, yeah. does the giant, the orange punch. Oh, like, yeah, just yeah, yeah. 100%. For the nine wrestling fans in the audience, I've just realised that. Yeah. He's great, isn't he? If, if you like <laughs> that, I, uh, I think I told you last week uh, that you should check out Mob Psycho 100 because yes. it's basically the same, but with Psycho, um, with, uh, what's it called again? Psychokinetic powers and like mm. he's an esper in this one there. Okay. Psychic powers, that's what I was thinking. I just uh, think for One Punch Man, like in the, when he fights, I don't know what you call the demon he fights at the very end of season one, but it's an actual fight. It yes. goes back and forward yeah. loads because that dude can keep up with him and you actually get to have that fight. Now, I get the argument that that's more of a standard anime fight and at the end he reveals that he was just holding back and he yeah, doesn't really it's you know, so he, sad you can see how yeah. depressed the guy is just like wait a minute what you're just toying with me he's like listen man like <laughs> I, I gave you one punch and it killed your armor you yeah. survived more than every other enemy in the entire series that also but you're like about my, to die now <laughs> exactly that also has my favourite um, shot in anime recent anime history where um, Punch Man punches so hard that he parts the clouds across oh, the it's world so cool. it's like yeah, a massive zoom out shot yeah. I love that so much but my point is that you could maybe do a one punch man fighting game that embraces that style but then i guess you would need all the fights to be that over the top yeah, but i feel I, like there's something cool to be done the there. thing is is that um they the way they make one punch man as a series interesting for the viewer is that they've spent so much time on the sub characters as mm. well to make them feel more fleshed out you see the struggles mm. of their fights versus the easiness of saitama's fights so mm. they could easily make that into a single player story where you bounce between the sub characters and then you have moments where you just are one punch man and it is literally just one punch and you win because mm. those moments would then feel earned as the kind of power fantasy that comes mm. with being it or mm -hmm. you could alternatively take it and do the rise of Saitama and you do basically his oh, early the days training on, yeah the training regimen you just do like a boring mini game after mini game <laughs> but then you have like um, no more hero style uh, fights 
they're just over before they start. I guess like the final boss would be that big lobster man as well. Like the, oh, the guy that um, he fights crab, at the beginning of season crab one. Crab linguine, crab goo. But he's got like um, uh, uh, little eyes painted on his nipples. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's so funny, man. Oh, so, if anyone's not on watched... His, on his carapace, that's what he has, yeah. Yeah, so if funny. no one's watched um, One Punch Man, it's very, it's so easy to dive into, even on the English dub, which I, it's like the only anime that I would watch on the English dub. It's so um, funny. But yeah, what anime would you have as a video game? Well, I was thinking about this, actually. Um, there are loads of anime games out there already but <coughs> I personally would go to the realms of one of One Piece because mm. I know that they've already got loads of like uh, they had a Dynasty Warriors style game that was out there they've, they've mm-hmm. got a new one coming out up on the horizon that's meant to be like a third person action game but a straight up fighting game with all of the main cast and characters of which there are now like hundreds of brilliant mm-hmm. characters could make for something that rivals fighters as kind of the the next spectacle fighter especially if it was given the same treatment as the guilty gear team gave to mm. um that uh, dragon ball z game i mean it's mm-hmm. just think about it like having luffy like square off against like some of his greatest villains but in a 2d yes. F- or 2.5d plane would be brilliant i'd love that well i feel like um because i've not played dnf duel yet and that was just mm-hmm. recommended that was nominated at the game awards as well but i love the art style of that and i think that is still um the uh, arc system works the guys that did fighter z and, i think that they're uh, becoming the go-to for uh, yeah. fighting games i think that they phenomenal way of crafting that sort of 2d to 3d aspect mm. i think it's amazing yeah and it's like that's the thing i really love because i was good when you initially asked the question i was thinking of demon slayer but honestly mm. the demon slayer mm. game is phenomenal like I've the most played recent it, actually really really solid like really solid like obviously the campaign just recreates the anime but um the actual fighting mechanics are just tight enough like there's not that much going on in terms of depth but it's enough like mm. it's enough to have fun with it and the actual art style is incredible and it has that um arc system work style thing of like if you freeze frame any part of it it looks like the anime but then it is actually rendered in 3d that's and so it's like cool. all the special moves all this like taking advantage of the 3d renders it's i had a lot of fun with the Demon Slayer game. I think that thing is like really overlooked, like especially because Fighter Z takes the crown, which it should. Mm-hmm. But um, if you like Demon Slayer, the game is actually stellar. It's just quite highly priced because it's a Demon Slayer game and that's like a big popular thing. After we spoke last time, did you get a chance mm. to watch Chainsaw Man? No, yeah, no, I need to. I've only like, it... just recovered this last couple of days. <laughs> I for, yeah, I forget you. You were uh, on the brink of death and then Sonic Frontiers uh, nearly finished you off. Oh my God, that's the thing. That's how sick I was doing the, the platinum and Sonic Frontiers. <laughs> but um, no, I need to get around to that stuff. But I think, yeah, anime games, I feel like having a bit of a moment, like even that rendering style in something like, um, oh my God, is it Scarlet Nexus, the game from a couple of years oh, ago? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that kind you know, of came even that was with lush. a blip, but it was really mm. fun. I played the demo for that and it was really, really good. There's a certain style like that when like these anime-esque games Games come out and you just go oh that's brilliant and then they never really take off or they find like a niche mm. audience like um mm-hmm. do you remember gravity rush i always felt like that oh was hell a, yeah i love I, gravity I felt rush. like that was an anime like I, mm. I, just, I always just felt like that had the whole anime aesthetic around it and mm-hmm. it just unfortunately never really connected we got that amazing sequel gravity rush 2 and then we just didn't yes. get anything else I was wondering, yeah, I wonder if they would do more because, like, when they do the the cutscenes, are kind of like the little comic strips and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's like you get like did like animated cutscene stuff, animated stills. Like, yeah, that feels like it would totally work for an anime. Like, a cat's power set is great. Like, yeah. inverting gravity and going off in different directions. Imagine that you just like sl- do a fighting game, but you're manipulating the gravity of the <sighs> arena. That's how you fight. So you're like combating with your opponent in mm. pockets of gravity to like increase oh. your attack and stuff. Like, that'd be amazing fun. If you, yeah, you invert gravity and then you do this like m- massive long wind up kick because you're kicking from one side of the 
screen to the yeah, next, but yeah, everyone yeah. is going towards the right anyway. That'd be really sick. That's kind of what Lawbreakers tried to do. That like that failed Cliffy B game. Oh yeah, um, that was an that odd had like pockets of gravity, it? but it didn't really work. Um, but anyway, um, next question from Pinky, and I want to give a happy birthday to Pinky. He oh, says that he's birthday. thirty-eight. Happy birthday, and thank you very much for listening to us for so long. Um, he says, which gaming trends, terminology, talking point, etc., makes you feel old as f? For me, it has to be consoles from my late teens or early childhood. Uh, sorry, early adulthood being referred to as retro. I had a job when I bought my GameCube for crying out loud. God, blimey. Well, what, what do you say to that, eh? What do you say? Um, I mean, the thing is, the whole idea of um, retro games, like Xbox 360 games are starting to be referred to as retro, which I guess yeah. is the same time period, like the late 2000s. Um, I definitely feel that. I think in terms of old AF stuff, it's the newest generation accepting how overly monetized everything is yeah. and just kind of it's- spending 20, 30, 40 pounds, 100 pounds on a skin. Whereas, like, we would never have... And I hate the whole, we would never do that back in our day. But having, like, like the fact that that capitalistic model is so ensconced in gaming that it's accepted means that they've won the, and we've just lost as a people. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, uh, it's interesting you bring that up because I was talking to uh, my neighbour, Tom, the other day mm-hmm. about this specific thing because I asked him what was his first console and he said it was the mm-hmm. GameCube. And I was like, right. wow, that was your first ever console, the GameCube. You stepped mm-hmm. in at a level where gaming was already, like, in the midst of... Of becoming the art that we know it to be today, mm. the storytelling was uh, was uh, m- matching the graphical output. The gameplay was incredible; like three D mm-hmm. had been fully kind of realized and embraced at that point. And mm-hmm. it's just like, what a different you experience. missed that entire ramp up, yeah, yeah. And that, but that means I wonder: are you actually as impressed with video game advancements? So say that like your first console is now the uh, the current generation of consoles, the PS fives, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That means that the next jump up. Like, how much more can we jump up? Like, the Mm. PS4 to PS5, admittedly, it's big enough to justify the jump, but it's Mm -hmm. not that much of a difference that God of War 1 looks so terrible next to God of War Ragnarok. It's not, and it's not like Final Fantasy 7 to 10 or like Metal Gear Solid 1 to 2. Like, that leap from PS1 to PS2 was like magic. Like, Metal Gear Solid 2 still holds up now, and that's 20 years old. But it's interesting because um, he was talking about, what game series was it? But he said he didn't go back to play the original game because it didn't look as good. And maybe I'm paraphrasing it here, but it's like, I've had more conversations with people saying... That they'll go to almost like the PS3 is as far back as some people will go because before right. that the graphics look too janky. You can't make out what's going on. I'm like, dude, you have no idea what it's like. There's like that weird thing about um, you know can polygonal can the polygonal era graphics come back and be done well again? And I think it's interesting because like there's a game from this year called Signalis that's like a proper throwback to like yes. old school Resident yeah. Evil, like late nineties. Um, and that game's cutscenes are kind of done anime style. They're sort of they're more 2D, but the character models are way more polygonal. And I love that. I think. It totally works and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how much of that is nostalgia um, and how much it would work for like a new audience I think it would work I think it's done well enough and there's a way to do it but it feels like the old like SNES or, or 2D pixel art stuff that's what came back yeah. and was allowed to exist whereas like things like the polygonals kind of just beginning to find out how to do a modern polygonal game like Signalis or Proteus yeah. um, or like something that is like throwback to the PS1 era and it has to be deliberately like Lego-y or like bricky in a way because it's trying to emulate like the technical p- limitations of the time yeah. Like, how much do you smooth them over before it doesn't look like a PS1 game anymore? It's crazy, isn't it? Because when you go back to PS1 titles, I, I remember the jump from the SNES to the PS1 mm. and was just like, wow, some of these games look really bad. Like, right. everyone's telling me that they look good, but I mm-hmm. can. there's less graphical fidelity and I cannot tell what the heck is going <laughs> on. 
It's just it's weird. like nightmare creatures. Was like because the thing oh is, like, I think sometimes nightmare creatures where you like, had to like draw distance <laughs> like of here to the end of my table. And yeah, then exactly. It was just like everything just came out of the fog and had the one sound effect of <laughs> wow, 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 wow. <laughs> that was literally the only sound effect. <laughs> Charlie Brown's mum coming at you through the fog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like that whole thing of like um. That's still in a way though. When we were kids, for me that that worked. It was like effective, and I think that's why something like Silent Hill worked because it was like the technical limitation. Like, like I don't know that whole thing of your mind fills in the blanks for horror I think can be really yeah, effective yeah. Um, but in that case it worked even though when you look at those designs they were just like ridiculous yeah. and, like some of the stuff that you're fighting in the original Tomb Raider um, at the end the Atlanteans or whatever look insane yeah. like it's like it's like Pac-Man coming at you like it's just it's very little um, but yeah I think stuff like that I don't I don't I rarely feel like old AF I think it's just like it, like recognizing um, how much has changed and in such a short time like gaming moves so fast yeah. even in like a, a decade like things will fly on and it's like yeah when you go back to the we lived through the jump of 2d to 3d to hd to 4k but like yeah i kind of i feel sorry for in a way for people who can't experience that because i remember seeing ps2 games for the first time and how unbelievable that was and every single game that came out was like oh my god we're we're breaking boundaries and then now they're just those boundaries are broken and those genres are set and that's kind of it yeah i feel like for me my old af moment came when i read a study that your uh hand-eye coordination and dexterity skills overall start decreasing around the age of 26 Yes. So I was like, oh, okay, uh, that sucks. And so <laughs> I've already had my peak and not even realized it, apparently. Right. But then I noticed that in competitive shooters, I've become less and less enthralled by them because, not because I feel like I was ever good at them, but just because the skill level of average players is just mm. so much higher than me. I am getting worse at multiplayer video games, and now I can start telling that I am. But right. when it's certain other games that require specific time structures or like rhythm action games, I can still do them really mm-hmm. well. I just don't like playing with other people in competitive games anymore <laughs> because it's a case of... Hey, Jules, do you want to lose over and over again? Oh, yes, please. Thank you. I'll pay £70 for that experience. That's that's a thing as well, like how much you'll put up with. Like Mm. the industry makes you put up with a lot of BS, like a lot of over-monetized stuff, a lot of gameplay loops that just crush you into the ground over and over again. And I think sometimes whether it's difficulty based or whether it's online shooters where it's like, oh, I'm going up up against someone who's just lived on this for the last 72 hours solid and they're just gaming the entire system. When it was like, oh, people discovered how to fly in in Modern Warfare 2. And I'm just like, at some point, it's not that you get too old for it, but you get too like wise for it or whatever it is it's like yeah. i know what this is i've done this we did our version of it in halo and i'm not putting up with this bs i'm gonna go do something more worthwhile with my life there's, the, there's that moment isn't there where you look at your older <laughs> self or your younger self in this case yeah. and you go oh i was able to spend all night playing that game from like as soon as i got home from school i played that <laughs> and i had no responsibility one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Abilities. The uh, old AF thing really hits home when you have real life responsibilities. Like mm. nowadays, I'm lucky if I can get maybe an hour or two of gaming done a day outside of work. And that's like okay. a maximum because of the fact that I'm doing other stuff or I've got other mm -hmm. responsibilities or I just need to get other stuff done. Mm -hmm. But it's like I speak to people who are like, oh, you had... Um, for example, Marvel Midnight Suns obviously mm -hmm. just came out. Yeah. There are people that I know that are already further ahead than me, and I've had the game two weeks ago because of a review <laughs> thing, but I just haven't been able to get around to spending time with it because these mm -hmm. people in question just go, day one I bought it, I stayed up until 5 a.m. the next day playing it. I then mm -hmm. woke up and I played that again. I was like, damn, I'm old because I, I can't dedicate well, I that amount of time, and I don't have the stamina to do it either. Mm. I remember coming out of university realizing just how much full time work got yeah. in the way. This is such a no, such a one percent problem, obviously. <laughs> um, but still, when you can, when you um, compare like how much you could game when you're a student or when you're a kid or a teen or whatever, versus like, oh man, I need to be up at seven a.m. so I can get into work and do this stuff, yeah. and then I can play again later on. I do still carve out time because like gaming is like my main thing. It's like yeah. gaming and yeah, guitar, I, so no, I'm like, totally that's my that. thing. Yeah. But still, yeah, Midnight Suns is something that I just... I, I was sad that I had to turn that off the other night. I was, How like, having so game, much fun. Oh, my God, it's incredible. Like, dude, like, um, I, I, I get... Know, right, okay, I don't know what... Is it GameSpot who gave it, like, a 6 out of 10? I don't, I don't know, know maybe. what they're on about with that. Right. Uh, apologies to GameSpot if it's not you, by the way. But at the same time, <laughs> I read it, and I was just like, why are you so anti-fun? The only thing is... I think a lot of people bounce off the Academy stuff, yeah. The Academy stuff, it grows on you. It really does. I because think so. when it hits you first off, you're like, oh, God, this is going to be so cringy. Everyone's just... <laughs> 
talking like they're out straight out of a high school uh, like rom-com sort of thing. But as written by forty-year-olds. Yeah. But when you start really diving into it, you realise that you know, like the gift mechanics and the way like picking the right um, uh, hangout thing or the mm-hmm. sending them to a haven to like chill out with them. If you've read the comic books or if you know anything about their personality, when you actually nail that perfect thing of like they love mm. the gift, they love this, they love the chat. You're like. Yeah, I know this character. I know this character right. inside out. And that makes me feel good because I feel mm-hmm. like we are connecting. We are making a little bond of friendship between us. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, the thing is, if, like, you need any, if you need to bond with anyone, it's magic. Magic is hilarious. Oh, okay. She's so sassy and sardonic <laughs> that she just absolutely loves it every single time you choose the dark, like, uh, evil choices. So if you mm-hmm. go like, um, like, as she goes... I prefer it when people just say nothing and you have the option to just say nothing and ignore her the entire time. And she right. loves it. She's like, she's like, yeah, you get this. You get this. Yeah, Sometimes it's like plus it's just... one to her little like friendship yeah, meter thing. so funny. I think, yeah, I get people bouncing off the um, the Academy stuff. And I, I like, we're the first person to say that I, like, I do bounce off a lot of, like, what feels like algorithmically written for the kids' yeah, dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Like, I thought Saints Row was terrible this year. Um, I, I totally get that. But I feel like it's written quite honestly in this. And it's, like, it's written to be quite charming. And it, it, I just, I find it to have a through line of charm. I find it to be quite friendly. Yeah. And it is very light. But um, I like the whole thing of almost doing this, like, Mass Effect-style setup where it's, like, you're just, you're, you play as the hunter, you're resurrected. It's, like, okay, get to know all these people that mm-hmm. you didn't know before. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you can go on little sort of mini hangouts, like you said. You can go and do pool parties with blades. It's mad. Or whatever. That's, that's mad. That stuff, I, I get why someone would be like, oh my dear God, that's not what I want at all. However, the combat is so good and it's such a different, like, ripping the rule book style approach to it um, that I think they nail that, like, once you add on the social stuff, it does make me care yeah. about teaming up with someone or, you know, spending time with them. And that little loop of, like, do a little bit out in the combat, do some stuff during the day, and then bank it at nighttime, and then maybe do a little bit of social stuff, and then do another day in the world. Like, that's such an easy way for, like, one more session and do one more day of yeah. combat and whatever. Like, I just kept playing it. It's so good. See, I, I think that the overall idea of like getting to know your team and really building that bonds of trust between them is super mm. important because people who wanted the game to be just action, 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 it's it's actually telling a more honest superhero story because it's like, mm. imagine you and I were superheroes. We'd want to clock off at some point. We'd want to relax <laughs> and chat with yeah. our friends. Like the, idea, the idea of Blade in a pool party might seem ridiculous, but we're assuming then that he never wants to relax, that he doesn't yeah, want to make yeah. friends, that he isn't lonely and like in need of comfort and support or chilling mm. out. If we think that, then we're actually thinking less of him as a character overall. Also, you don't need to do the pool party stuff. I get that that's been pointed to as one of the most it ridiculous. Optional. It's optional. Yeah. But you can just, with him, you can just go spa with him or yeah. you can just go hang out and get a drink or something. You can go for a walk around the yeah. academy you grounds. Can like, it doesn't tailor, have to be, you, you can know. tailor yeah. what it is. And the thing is, you might choose that pool party and he might mm. hate it because of the fact <laughs> that it's not in his character. Like, like It's another thing that people are twisting out of proportion. Portion, mm-hmm. I feel a little I'll tell you about. one thing I, I want to address for that as well in terms of like taking things out of proportion is that assumption that you have to do so much academy stuff at the detriment of the combat there's so much um, like I've spent I mean I've played it for like seven hours mm-hmm. I've done the majority combat because they give you so many optional side yes. um, yeah. challenges and stuff that you can do so if you want to do more combat you just can you can hold square to skip any of the cutscenes and just go you just put your character back to bed reset the day and do another combat yeah, challenge just again. go for it so like you can just do it so I've spent more time in combat than the academy dialogue stuff even though I don't mind that stuff but I think people thinking that it's this big like social game it's more like the sims or it's more like this weird sort of mm-hmm. waifu style simulator it's thing not. where you're trying to romance everyone it's not you can't sadly get with anyone anyway <laughs> but still like uh, if you just want to play the combat you totally can and the combat is incredible if you like anything to do with XCOM or fire axis or whatever this is such it's a perfect one. strategy game the like, only thing yeah, is the only thing is and i did mention this in my review that i am worried mm. about is the um 
Or the potential for there's, monetizing there's, Yeah, it. there's the potential there. I mean, you wouldn't create a card game that has this many sort of random drops, these like mm. uh, the coils that you open up to get new cards, all of these different currencies that exist within the game of like skill essences and stuff like that. Mm. You wouldn't put all of that in if you didn't plan to monetize it at some point. Like I would be perfectly prepared to stake some money on the fact that at some point it won't be just skins you'll be able to buy coils aka loot mm. boxes to get new things or currency to buy loot box style i think if because right now you can buy the extra coins and just buy the skins yeah. with it. i, I do yeah. quite it's just that this is an old af thing i appreciate how buried the microtransaction stuff is which yeah, is such it, a it never terrible victory. game which is nice no, it only comes up if you go down a certain tier of cosmetics, and then it'll tell you to buy it, and then the only way you can buy it is a specific currency, which it then asks you for real money for. But that's quite deep in the menus. Mm-hmm. You, you'd never even really see it if you didn't get, find that specific part of the menu. Um, but yeah, I feel like if the game had sold better and it was overall like flying, then maybe they would entertain that stuff. But it hasn't done very well out the gate. Like Callisto sold really well, even though it's quite yeah. broken. And then both Need for Speed and Midnight Suns are falling down the chart. I think Midnight Suns was like twenty seventh in the chart or something. It's a real shame um, because I feel like it's which just sucks. Get yeah, buried. both Need for Speed and uh, Midnight Suns are absolutely stellar and they're just being so overlooked and it's just sad. <laughs> At the, some point it's just sad. The saddest part about it is that if it doesn't sell well like that, it does mean mm-hmm. that they might be more pressured to put those microtransactions in to make up for the lost money and that's worrying Maybe. as well. But mm-hmm. anyway, well that's another conversation for another day. I'm sure <laughs> we can extract this entire conversation out and put a video out on YouTube from it. Yes. Um, point is, Midnight Suns is brilliant and people should more people should check it out. Indeed they should. And uh, well, let's go over to Instagram now and we've got a big dog Sloan's question, which is, uh, <laughs> what movie franchise do you think would make a good game franchise? Because this is the thing, mm. we've already covered most of our ones, like, for example, I loved The Thing and then The Thing got a video game, I'd like to see another yes. one of that, but what game, mm. what movie franchise doesn't have a video game that you would like to see put into a game form? Um, I wonder. This. My mind went to, we've done this before, I think, and I mentioned John Wick, but they obviously has John Wick, John Wick Hex, Hex hasn't it? as that turn-based thing. Um, I, I was saying to Josh yesterday that like I've like checked out of movies. Like I've just, I don't know if it's the pandemic, really? I don't know what the hell it is. I just don't find myself caring about movies. I don't want to sit there for two hours or two and a half hours and watch a thing. And I feel like when I was totting up my movies of the year, um, I had so little that I was absolutely like blown away by. Although, in saying that, it reminded me that my movie of the, of the year is Triple R. It's like a Hollywood action movie. Triple and R. Okay. It's called like Rise Rage Revolt. Amazing. And it's like genuinely the most phenomenal thing you will see this year. Um, which is hilarious because I've just said I haven't seen that much this year. But still, um, Triple R or whatever you want to call it, it's just spelled RRR. Um, and it's like, this really over the top action movie. It's in, it's on Netflix. Um, and it was like sort of covered as like the game, uh, sorry, the movie that made uh, Hollywood jealous because all the set pieces are really over the top and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it's like a mix of like physical stunt work and CG. And it's just astonishing. Like genuinely go watch that. Um, so I would take a video game of Triple R because there's fight scenes in that. There are dance sequences in that. Um, there's like really the, <laughs> the that dance really sequence fun. in that movie. <laughs> it's so crazy. There's a dance sequence in that, which the actors did do in real life, um, where they had this like dance off for as long as possible until one of them got tired or whatever. And the moves they're doing are all like properly choreographed. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that it was my first Bollywood film and my wife was like, you've got to watch this. Um, and so I absolutely adored it. I can't champion that movie enough. Um, but I would take just some really over the top, really fun dance action Bollywood game. I don't care what you base like, it on. Uh, but like a great. quick time event style thing like the y- Yakuza uh, minigame, the disco minigames. Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's a there's a bit. It's, I can't think what you call the song. I don't know the the language for it. But the um, the dance scene. They're singing Nacho, Nacho, Nacho over and over Amazing. again. I think it's just dance, dance, dance. And um, and it's so fast. You would have to just mash the buttons really, really fast to like dance as fast as possible. Genuinely, the scene is incredible. Um, but yeah, that I would take that some sort of Bollywood action dance uh, game would be phenomenal. That would be amazing. I <laughs> would like to have a near shot for shot video game uh, adaptation of Dread. Because oh. imagine that you start at level one, get to the top of the building, kill Mama. That's it. That's all you got to do. Sick. Did you know? Have we have we talked about that before? Because I was going to say, did you play Dread versus Death on the? PS2? I have. Yes, it came up recently right. in a uh, list that we were doing because of the mm. ridiculous sponsorships that it had in there. Because it has right. Red Bull. I'm pretty sure it's Dread versus Death in that one. Uh-huh. Um, but it had like Red Bull was everywhere on one of the levels, and it was just like, right. oh, that's slimy. Because <laughs> it had the gun, it, like I, because I was when I saw the um, the St- Sylvester Stallone Dread years ago, and he talks to the gun. I don't, know if he, I don't know if Dread is a talking gun in general, but he talks to the gun in the movie. Yeah, it's just like a voice a recognition style thing, isn't it? Yeah, and I was always like, when they brought in voice controls for like SOCOM, I was like, maybe they're going to do a Dread game where you can say like ballistic missile or whatever. Yeah. And then you know what? Actually, I, I revised my thing. I don't want a shot for shot um, adaptation. Mm. I want a VR version of it. Imagine you just yes. go through like a light gun game but you speak mm-hmm. into your uh, controller that your gun to change mm-hmm. the ammo now that would be banging man yeah man if you had like take cover and then say like get a smart time crisis meets dread that would be yeah. amazing that would be, be so such good. a show dreads like barely had anything either i mean like not for a long time like and considering the big cyberpunk boom like we've not had like a really good dread game in ages it feels like you could easily scan if they did like a tie and you could get carl urban back i'm sure he'd want to do it well, the thing is like, they, they've announced yeah. haven't they recently that dread 2 is in the works or that there is oh, interest really? okay. in it like there is rumors circulating that it is going to happen it's just a case mm. of when now which is such it's music to my ears that is mm-hmm. and he watched dread again that was like such an overlooked because it came out right where the raid came yeah, out yeah so people got just overlooked said that by it the was raid. like oh it's too much for the same thing and yeah it's yeah, a yeah shame. it's like Real shame. all set in one building movies um next question from golly jolly who says would you rather go back to an era of unlockables or no dlc sorry and no dlc or stick with what we currently have i do think dlc has the capability to enrich an already fantastic game but it often feels like content is cut from the final build to save for future dlc well this is interesting because this is mm. again another subtopic that um tom and i were talking about last night and we were talking about how dlc has changed the mentality of video games in that if it isn't in the launch game then they can just partition off a bit of content and sell it back to you further down the line Mm -hmm. admittedly there are more examples of good dlc than bad when it comes to the big expansions so it's kind of like usually seen as a bit of a plus when it comes to the expansion set of things Mm -hmm. but back in the day we actually got <laughs> like um, completely made fun of with the concept of expansion passes because mm. while you've got great ones like Diablo 2's expansion, um, mm-hmm. expansion, 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 um, we got some absolute stinkers in the form. Do you remember GTA Prologue? Oh, sorry, uh, Gran Turismo Prologue. Oh, yeah. 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 What a load of steaming bollocks <laughs> that was, mate. The fact that they were like, here is a glorified demo for 25 mm. quid. That was the ground zeros of its day. Yeah. The Metal Gear Solid absolute 5 thing. stinker, mate. I cannot uh-huh. believe that they tried to do that. So I would prefer <gasps> to live in the current uh, day because of the fact that at least I know the DLCs coming out are downloadable and optional mm. and all that other stuff, rather than being bamboozled um, <laughs> into buying these sort of low par, low effort. Um, um, bits that they've just scraped mm. off the disc and then sold Actually, back to you. 
That's another thing that goes into like what makes you feel old thing is like, yeah, sort of it's a week. I have like a with Midnight Suns, like I look at the list of customization options for the Hunter and you can customize every character mm-hmm. as well. And I look at all of them. And in my mind, when I was looking at all those options, I was like, and I get to actually do this. Yeah, Are you going to charge me I for all of this? Oh my yeah. God. And it's like that weird thing of just like, you realize how far the industry's fallen where like you expect monetization at every level. And like I said, some cosmetics are monetized, but um, that whole thing of like back in the day, like games that had tons of, of uh, Costumes to unlock, like Dead or Alive Two or something on PS2. Like that now, that would be monetized to hell. Oh, Dead yeah. or Alive well, Five Devil did Alive do that. Six, yeah, yeah. I think it is has like nearly a thousand pounds worth of uh, DLC yeah. because of the and every individual component's been broken down into a mm-hmm. D- piece of DLC. And so if you take any old game and just sort of like, if it was a plate and you smash it, it's like every little bit of it fractures out and it's like, okay, we'll charge you for this level and this costume and this thing. Like I, I'm always curious what the reality of the dev side is. Like how much do they actually need to do that to recoup funds? Have Mm -hmm. production costs gone up so much that they need to have all these different monetization methods? Um, Or can you just make a video game? Like even something like Evil West, which is like a direct throwback to like 2007 action games or something. Um, I'm always curious how much needs to be in there. I just always assume that it's greed because it feels like it. Like most of the time it feels like it. It always feels like it. And speaking of greed, let's do our mm. final question from Instagram and potentially the final one of the podcast because I'm mm. pretty sure we have to dash off into the distance like into Wild West Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll do a quick one, actually. Just uh, yes. pick up Change Toe, a.k.a. Rich Hutchinson, just says, um, oh, when, when can I guest? So uh, you answer that <laughs> while I find the other question. When can he guest, Scott? He when can guest can in 2023. He, he can absolutely guest in 2023. In fact, he'll be able to shine a light into the window of game development now that he's working over at uh, that studio I've forgotten the name of, Frontier? Yes. It is Frontier. Yeah. And Shout also, Frontier. the thing is that now I finally loaded up the uh, question here. The Josh Utley's response mm-hmm. on Instagram says, Hope Scott feels better, which is nice. Thank isn't you. It? Um, yes. And he also says, You get the rights to remake any Lord of the Ring game. What's your pick? Oh, uh, the third age one, the um, the 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 turn based one that was oh, like. Oh, that was yeah, that was. Actually I really loved good. that, that was so really much. Good. And even though that was out, and then one of my mates at the time, one of my friends now, like came over to the house just with it and was like, "Have you seen this?" And I didn't even know it was happening. And we just, I still have that one of those life memories where you just realize the perfect game exists. <laughs> and we just played this like incredible because obviously I'm a sucker for turn based combat yep. anyway. But it's very Final Fantasy combat meets Lord of the Rings with incredible production value. And you even like later on you unlock playing as um, all of like Sauron creatures and everything and you can do like a whole evil playthrough where you play through as like you know orcs and urukai oh, and everything so else good. so i love 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 that game i would massively uh, back that in my mind it animates beautifully and it would hold up very well it just needs like a texture pack or just something needs a little tweaking um, yeah. a little tweaking maybe a little, little bit of tweaking but yeah definitely third age that's a great shout see i would Thank go you. for because i love my strategy games um i'd go mm. for the lord of the rings the battle for middle earth oh. 2 and remake that because that game was phenomenal and it, it got huge. nowhere near the love that it deserved because mm. it was basically just like you had your squad uh, focus you had your base building you had all of that but it was just set in the lord of the rings uh, verse and it was just mm-hmm. great you could play as the the good guys or the bad guys it'd be fantastic it was so so good when we when i first moved out when we went to university and i moved out with my friends i, I said the game was huge because i meant the size of that game yeah. i had like multiple friends living in different in their different bedrooms screaming to each other as they play try to play together like different setups and stuff and um, just screaming oh my god golem's coming golem's coming you need to do this thing you need to fix this or save this so i have like the weirdest like adjacent memories of like walking between bedrooms and seeing how people were like fighting and stuff but i've never actually played it myself i feel like in the the rise of like you know even 
like Halo Wars 2 doing well. It feels like that top-down approach to stuff, like, you know, should be way more on consoles. You could easily do a Lord of the Rings top-down yeah. battle for Middle Earth. Thing it was again. such a strange thing as well because it came out, got great reviews, and mm. then they just killed the franchise on it. It was like, <laughs> okay then, fair enough. It, they, they, it was like them walking away just going, we've done exactly what we needed to do and not a mm. jot more, my friends. <laughs> Final question, and just we didn't do it. We didn't do it. It's a very, very flame war one of this. Oh, okay. um, so this is from Shane slash Blobby46, who says, not to start a war, but console players were for the longest time telling PC players that 60 FPS slash 144 SPFPS didn't matter, and now that they have access to it, it's now super important. <laughs> were console players wrong? Do they owe PC players an apology just to ruffle the old feathers? Right, okay, let's put this one to bed straight away. Yes, they do, but there is a caveat, because the mm. thing is, now that we've got access to it and expect it in every game, we moan it when it's not in there, and we should apologize to pc gamers because of the fact that we were all like oh you're just trying to lord it over us however pc gamers did lord it over us equally so they used it as a weapon as much as they did a shield against our attacks now so Mm -hmm. they i think that instead of an apology there just needs to be a truce with both of us just going fair enough you were right. Let's move on. Shake hands on the battlefield. Exactly. I feel like everyone who experiences 60 FPS or higher frame rates, especially if they're locked, um, like knows the feeling of like, oh, okay, this is actually just yeah, better. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the general conversation on the console side was like just to put a disc in and just play the game. You don't want to get lost in all the sliders and all the different like tweaking options. I just want to play. And the idea of someone focusing so much on all that stuff was the thing that console players were annoyed about. It's just trying to prioritize the game experience. It's funny, isn't it? Because all of those sliders and tweaks uh, are now in to most games as well. Like I know, I hate it. Like, turn on performance mode. Uh, do you want this on? Ugh. Do you want that on? Like, do you want to show these sort of things? And it's like, ah, okay. So now we're basically all just globbing together into one oh, big I hate game. It. I want suit. less less options I want to know exactly what less the, the artist just tell me what exactly what the, 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 the professional person who made it thinks is the best option yeah. I don't need like in Sonic Frontiers you can choose how fast you want your maximum That's speed mad. to be when you told me that I'm I was like, just like how how why like, just like jump height or something or like acceleration speed I'm like that, you, you're the Sonic men you decide like, I can't I'm just going to max them all out I don't know you can like, imagine like, the one person over on like Sonic team just going like listen this decision <laughs> is too big for one person <laughs> I'll give it to the players let's democratize how fast Sonic moves. Or maybe um, they were just, laughing yeah. as they like uh, did the evil finger temple and it was like, yes, yes, let's see how what the uh, audience thinks uh, how fast Sonic should move. It Stewie will destroy Griffin them, approach. the ultimate power. <laughs> to be fair, I don't see that much discourse of people debating the, the correct Sonic settings, but I imagine there's a Reddit thread out there somewhere. Hey, remember, at the end of the day, there is no uh, bad PR, only PR. Like, <laughs> even if you are being uh, raked over the coals and being uh, the world is telling you they're terrible, people are still talking about your game and you're not wrong. Get a few Especially, especially for Sonic, they just announced a whole season pass thing, but they still haven't fixed the effing pop in. So there's, you know, there's still always that. Um, for now, though, this has been the Untitled Banter Podcast, the UBP, the UBP, the UBP. I've been Scott Taylor for Joined by Jules Gill. Thank you very much for having me. And remember, you can check out both Instagram and Twitter next Thursday, where Scott and I will be putting out the tweet, the call to arms for yes. you guys to send over all your questions. Be beautiful. Until then, thank you very much for sending all your questions and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.